Hello listeners and welcome to the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Dan and as always I'm joined by Game Week 9 legend Natalie. That's what your name is now. Thank because, you. Because it's been a legendary week I believe. Um, we're just under a quarter of the way through the season now. It's been a troublesome week for the template teams. Could the no Salah philosophy be on the wane? Bournemouth struggled to score against a poor Southampton side. The scout gets a player recommendation right. And the legend, the ever-charming Pep Guardiola, reminds us all who the real boss of FPL is. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at The Denalysis, for all your ranty FPL situations, let's say. Uh, and let's jump right into the podcast. So, the headline event this weekend was, I think, the Chelsea versus Man United game. Maybe not for the reasons you think. So, uh, I'm just going to set the scene, and you can kind of go off with this. Uh, there's some generic regen staff member runs across the Man United technical area. He was proper regen though, wasn't he? Like he really was. Like, in, insert man here. It was it was video game default create a character. <laughs> it wasn't was it? literally like so, Sari had like invented him just for that match. Grown him in a lab. Yeah, this is my staff member, literally. and he is here. He, so he goes to the Man United bench. Uh, so now I'm saying picture it: abandoned parking lot, uh, parking lot. Jose versus the entire Chelsea backroom staff. Who wins? I reckon Jose probably wins. He did look like a man in rage, didn't he? <laughs> I don't. I like. I've seen him pissed off before, but I don't know if I've ever seen him quite that mad. You do kind of think like, is, is that part of the persona? Does he have to do that, or if could he just be a normal person and be diplomatic about it? But I enjoyed it for what it's worth. Um, I think I want to see more of that. Uh, if he's got to be like that every game, then I don't want him to get sacked. It'll be really entertaining. Yeah. But onto the actual FPL side of things, the the headline player was uh, Anthony Martial with yeah, who'd have thought? two goals in in one game, and they were both um both pretty. I mean, the first goal it just kind of fell to him, and he didn't really have much to do. But the second one I thought was really really well taken. Uh, I guess my question is. Should we ever really be looking at Man United players right now? I mean, they seem to have come out of this this bad moment they were having. Uh, but I'm still not entirely convinced we know what their their lineup week to week will be, or or who the best options are, or if they're even worth going for. What do you think? I just thought he was quite a wild differential. But no, I'm not particularly interested in Man United at all. I never am. Uh, Martial, I don't think I mentioned this, but he's 7.2. Um, the next three games are Everton at home, then Bournemouth away, then Man City away. Uh, so the problem I'd have with United is that I definitely don't think there's any value in their defence because they're conceding every game. Mm-hmm. They have to but... concede before they start doing their own goals. Exactly. It's, it's always the second half when they perform, and it was that again. I mean, Chelsea in the first half, they were so dominant and... I didn't think they had too many like brilliant chances, but the way they were playing it around, they were just teasing Man United. Uh, and then the second half, much like they did against Newcastle, they came back into the game. Um, but I did think both of uh, Martial's goals, the second one in particular, like that was a, a very well taken, very well taken attempt from an angle you wouldn't expect many players to score from. So it wasn't like they were creating chance after chance and he was running through on goal and, and they had a great attacking performance. Um, and I think if you look at the XG, Chelsea actually had much higher XG by the end of the game. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's quite hard to really recommend anyone. Everton, I don't think they're great. Bournemouth, I don't think they're great defensively, but it's way too soon to be going to, to look at these options um, for me right now. And Lukaku was basically anonymous in this game in um in terms of actually getting chances. Like I think he played quite well from a doing a job for the team perspective. But yeah, I don't really I don't really like Man United regardless. Uh Chelsea on the other hand, we've got Alonso. And what do we think? What's the consensus on him? Trash. Like literally what is the point in him? I don't understand. <laughs> Seven million for a man who lays on the floor pretending he's injured, and that leads to the concession of a goal. Concession. (laughs) Yep, yep, that one. Like, if he'd not been... I I thought when I was watching it, I only saw literally, like, 15 minutes of this game when it was on, 
and it, that was included in my 15 minutes and I was like if you just got up you could probably do some defending here but chose not to so yeah yeah I, I didn't actually notice he was on the floor I remember thinking that Chelsea defended that really badly though um and that's kind of that's kind of a problem like I, I would say that in the next three they do have very winnable fixtures and fixtures that they could keep clean sheets in uh, so it's Burnley away, Crystal Palace at home, who failed to score again today, uh, and Everton at home. So two home games is always encouraging. But I do agree with you, like, seven million, that's too much money. I was watching him quite closely in this game, and he also, there was a moment when um, Hazard got booked for, like, the best cynical foul ever. Mm. And it was all because Alonso was just completely out of position. And... Hazard was having to cover the the left back position so I think he is kind of a a bit of a liability at the moment I didn't think he did much in the opposition box it's very much too much money when you look at Rudiger who's 5.9 he scored a goal and got an assist and it didn't matter that there was no clean sheet for him obviously he's not going to do that every week but if you compare the value and we talked a lot about this last week David Luiz is 5.5 if you want a Chelsea player who's got to keep clean sheets in the next two or, two or three games, I think you should really be looking at spending money on one of those and being able to spend that cash elsewhere. That's that's my opinion anyway. I wouldn't be, like, if you already have him, I wouldn't be desperate to get rid of him, like, if you only have one transfer. But it's more uh, from the point of view of you could be spending that money elsewhere. Much like people did with Salah, you know, like it kind of makes sense to free up some of that cash and be able to have some good midfielders. I also picked out some some contenders who could replace him. And okay. this kind of ties in with like my general feeling about defence at the moment. Um, so Van Dijk, 6.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gomez, 5.1. Laporte, 5.6. Or wait, no, he might be 5.7 now. He's 5.6 for me because I think that's when I bought him. Um, and Mendy. They're all cheaper, and they're all better options. Like What about Robertson? Um, Robertson too, yeah, but I, I was kind of assuming most people have they him. They have but Robertson, okay. You, yeah. you're, very, you're quite right in saying that. Um, Robertson is also a better option. And the reason I say this is Chelsea have proven, although they have three very winnable, very clean-sheetable fixtures coming up, uh, I think Liverpool and Man City both have six clean sheets out of nine this season, and their fixture run is really good. So... If they're cheaper and they're more assured of a clean sheet, I think it's a very good bet to have three players from these two teams in defence. I don't know if City's fixture run is good. Go on. But they have Spurs away, Southampton at home and Man United at home. Yeah. I don't think those are good. Uh, Yeah, okay, so after that it gets a lot more palatable with West Ham, Bournemouth, Watford... Chelsea, Everton, Crystal Palace. But to me, I think Spurs is a game that I'd back City to keep a clean sheet in. Southampton, definitely. Mm. Um, And Man United, mm, that is a Manchester derby, so you never really know what could happen. I'd probably agree with you there. Um, So yeah, I I think actually my thought when I wrote the City players was, yeah, definitely keep Alonso for this week. Give yourself two free transfers. And then when City play Southampton, that would be a good time to, to potentially look at doing it. Uh, but that's kind of my my feeling towards Chelsea at the moment, is they've shown themselves to be a little bit, a little bit iffy on the defensive side of things. And I don't really like them anywhere near as much. So over the course of 10 game weeks, let's say, I'd much rather have Man City and Liverpool players. So Man City makes sense to move on to those as we were just talking about them. Their most assured players, who are they? And I guess we have this conversation every week, don't we? We we spoke a bit about it last week. Yeah, but I've been really hype up until now um, about trying to get Sterling in. But I've actually decided that that is not the way to go because it's just nowhere near as safe as having Aguero. Like, you know that at this point in time, Aguero is going to start every game. And I don't think it matters that he's being taken off between the 60th and 65th, 65th minute every game. I don't think it's, I don't think it's important. 
like if he's still scoring and still has the opportunity to score multiple goals before he gets taken off, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, and then I would pair Aguero in my team with Mendy or Laporte, who have started every game that they've been available for. Hmm. Um, and just anywhere else seems risky. Yeah, so Mendy is an interesting one because we spoke about last week how if Sane plays, mm, maybe he, he won't. Yeah, but it seemed that Sane actually played a little bit more of a, not quite central, but he was he was more in field this week. Mm-hmm. And I think that seems to be the best way to fit them both in the team, get him to play a bit more disciplined in that sort of uh, more central space. And they can kind of interchange. And yeah, I'd probably, like, I definitely agree with uh, the Mendy or Laporte situation. I've got Laporte now. Um, I'm going to stick with him, but I could get Mendy back soon if I felt that was necessary. I think we spoke a lot about Mendy at the start of the season, how he was so important because of his assist potential. Um, But next week against Spurs, I do think they'll keep a clean sheet, but it's got to be a, a tougher game than Burnley was for sure. The the thing I'd say about Aguero is it depends more on what your expectations are with him, really. Like, to me, like, a goal a game... Yeah. ...is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's gonna if he's going to score once every game, then that that's absolutely fine in my book. Yeah. And I'd, it's the consistency. Yeah. So even though it's not like there aren't, like, five goals and then, like, two goals and then no goals and then yeah. no goals and then one goal, like... Consistently, one goal every game, that is absolutely fine with me. Yeah, I think you have to look at it in what do you expect from him? What are your... What do you need to get from him to justify that price? And it seems you're very much like, you're you're happy with that. Get a goal a game week. I think the, the question is more about whether you can captain him or not. If he's only got to get one. I would not captain him. Yeah. Unless he's at home, so what's the so the Southampton at home game? I'll captain him then. Yeah, that'd definitely be a good time. But I don't captain him away. Yeah. And I always like I don't like captaining strikers anyway, because hmm. I just feel like there's so much less to gain than from captaining a midfielder, where you get an extra point if they score, and you get the clean sheet point as well. Yeah. Like from us captaining Salah this week compared to if I'd captained Aguero. Like, neither of them ended up getting bonus points, but Aguero got six points and Salah got eight for doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, I actually think Salah was a little bit unlucky this week. He was quite close to the bonus. He basically just missed a a few chances, which was annoying. But, yeah, I I think the the only thing I'd say about the Aguero versus, like, the midfielder situation is David Silva, for me, is a better option purely because of his price. And he's kind of keeping up there with him. Like when he does, I guess the difference is Aguero seems to be fulfilling that like one goal a game and coming off with six points or whatever, six or seven points. The likes of David Silva and Raheem Sterling, for example, when they go off, it seems to be like 11, 12 points. And that kind of makes them maybe a little bit more captainable. But I do... I do think it's kind of touch and go, really. It it can go either way. Like, if you go for Sterling, I personally like him more as an option because I I think when they do score, like, four or five goals and he's playing, I think Sterling is the guy who Pep almost focuses on on getting those, like, tap-in chances to a guy like Sterling or to a guy like Sane. So I kind of think he's ever so slightly more valuable because he seems to have more of those, like really really easy chances but it's really whichever one floats your boat and you just have to roll with it as we said basically every week so far um the only other thing to consider with Aguero is you have the likes of Lacazette and Aubameyang who's doing quite well who play tomorrow obviously so I guess we'll see we'll see on that front I'm kind of of the opinion that there's better value out there but I do agree with you that he's He's providing value in the sense that he's doing better than Kane is. You know, he's providing a goal a game. That's kind of what you want from your your high-priced uh, strikers over the course of a season. 
a goal a game is more valuable than three goals in one game and then no goals in seven. So I, I take your point there. Um, upcoming fixtures though, Spurs, uh, Southampton at home and Man United at home. I think those are still good fixtures because basically City are really good and they'll, they'll probably do, do okay in them. Okay. And there are two Champions League games and a nice little bonus League Cup game like in between those. Yeah, that's kind of the, the tricky situation, isn't it? There's got to be some rotation. It's probably got to be the likes of uh, your fullbacks who, who see the most. You know, Kyle Walker might miss a few games. I think that was the one of the shock uh, omissions from the squad this week was Kyle Walker. and He's got an injury. Oh, really? Mm, oh, I didn't realise. injury. Ooh, I see. So that's why he didn't play. Mm. Actually, any any love for Mares? Yeah, you know what? I had Mares written down here. Yeah. And then I was like, not yet, Riyad. Yeah, not no, yet. I agree. I... I'd keep an eye on him. 8.9, I think, at the moment. 8.6. No, 8.6. That's David not bad. David Silver is 8.5 still. Yeah. And Riyad Mares is 8.6. The thing about Mares is, like, he, he does seem to be starting more games now. Mm. And he did play really well in this match. Uh, he created actually a number of chances for Aguero that Aguero duly missed. But his goal was very much like a one in a hundred sort of shot. Like it, yeah. it was quite speculative. So I wouldn't kind of garner from his performance that he's going to be the absolute best option. And also actually shout out to David Silva for the absolute jokes goal that, that he assisted. No, I don't think it's <laughs> right. I don't think it's right. I don't think it should have been a goal. Well, it obviously, off- it shouldn't have been a goal. It was offside. Like, yeah, it's not. It was offside. The ball was miles out of play. Yeah, like, I didn't actually see if it was out of play. Pitch. It was so far. The first time I saw it, I thought that ball doesn't look like it's on the pitch, and then they zoomed in, and it's nowhere near on the pitch. Oh, really? Did they do that on match of the day? Yeah, I must have missed that because it it looked from like the far angle that yeah, you know the whole like the yeah. entire ball yeah, has yeah, to yeah. cross so. It looked like maybe there was just a little bit of the ball still mm. in there. Um, but now it's off. But even, even without considering that, it was offside as well because Sane touched the ball and he was the last player to touch it. And then David Silva came from literally off the pitch behind yeah, the goalkeeper. So, yeah. so yeah, it was, um, it was offside. But I thought that was quite a funny, a funny way to, to set their way to victory, really. Mm. And so the last thing to touch on here is just... The continued importance of a strong bench, eh, Natalie? Yes. Sterling and Mane this week are exactly why hmm. you need players on your bench who are playing. Yeah, it's so, so true. Uh, because I feel like you need to know that if you have someone, especially a big player like Sterling, and Mane is the other one that, that you wanted to mention. If you have a big player like that out, you need someone who has a chance of actually making an impact. And there are a lot of players in that sort of like, six million price range that can do that and I think it's very important that especially coming into Christmas when there's going to be a lot of rotation there's got to be a lot of injuries I think Ben Dinnery posted a thing the other day and it was just about the the increase in hamstring injuries and hamstring tears in the winter months um which he kind of concluded was a combination of like fixture pile up and just generally the cold conditions like you're going to need those players to come in and you're never going to be able to predict it like no matter how much you follow the the news. So I totally agree with you there and now is definitely a time to start thinking about having players on your bench that are going to be able to come in and potentially do something for you. Yeah. And another note as well like I spent the literally the last fortnight trying to decide between Knockart and Madison. Yeah. And now it all didn't matter. But I think even so, even if Knockout had played, hadn't done anything, and Madison had stayed on my bench and got a trillion points, yeah, I think you have to judge how well you're doing, not necessarily on how well your starting eleven scored, but how well your whole squad scored. Hmm. Because if, like Dan, you left some great guys on the bench this week... 19 points from two players. Just a mere 19 points. Your squad is still strong. And you don't need to panic about how your starting eleven didn't do well because you know that you have the depth there and yeah. like everything is going to be okay. That's a really good point, actually, because you can look at, you can choose to look at, oh, I left all these points on my bench as like a horrible negative. 
Yeah. But actually, for me, and I think this is kind of the way I've always played Fantasy League, but sometimes to less successful extent because I, I was a bit more renegade with my decisions. But I can look at that and be like, well, I have Pereira for these upcoming good fixtures that they have. rather, And he's just shown me that he can score goals rather than, oh my God, I had... N'Golo Conte on the bench the one week he decides to score a goal like those are quite different sorts of scenarios Mm. or I have nothing on my bench and Harry Kane missed the game because he can't run anymore or something so no I think that's actually a very good point like it does show that you have a strong squad and you'll be able to deal with an issue like one or two injuries in your team um okay so moving on to Brighton who kept I is it their first clean sheet away from home? It's their first win away from home, isn't it? Yeah, so Matt Ryan is probably the key figure right now. Uh, for sure. Or oh, let me tell you about his saves. Well, you can see because it's written here. Um, so far this season, Ryan has made 36 saves. But 21 of those came in the last four game weeks. Oh, wow. Including yesterday's game. And in those two, obviously, with the two clean sheets as well. So if that can't sell them to you, I don't know what can. Hmm. Yeah, so I think we've we've spoken a lot on this podcast about how when you have centre like centre backs who are really for a team like Brighton or for a team like Burnley, like they're often in and around the bonus points because they are so involved in the game. Whenever Brighton keep a clean sheet, it seems to be Matt Ryan making a lot of saves. And I thought from seeing the highlights of this, there were like a lot of speculative efforts from Newcastle. Mm, um, just Shelby kicking it wherever he can. Yeah, like all of them seem to be from outside the box. So that did probably, like Matt Ryan definitely made some really good saves, but it made his job a little bit easier. But I do think with their, their coming run, uh, they have Wolves, Everton and Cardiff in the next three. The Wolves game is at home, uh, Everton and Cardiff both away. But in general, like, Brighton's run for the next sort of eight to ten games is is actually really good. Matt Ryan seems to be a fantastic option to have. And I've really just been waiting for this time to come all season. And I've chosen to ignore him in favour of Fabianski. Uh, But yeah, so Ryan at 4.5 is a great option, obviously. What do you think about the defenders? Duncan, Duffy, still the the top dogs. Yeah, always. I guess Dunk won't drop to 4.3 now. Probably not. But you never know. Uh, yeah, I'd still recommend Duncan Duffy for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I totally think Ryan is going to get you... Like, he's got to get you bonus points when they keep clean sheets. Dunk yeah. probably much the same. So that kind of brings us on neatly to Watford's recent change in fortune. So they had a, a torrid run. I think they got one point from something like 12. They hadn't won in four. yeah. They face Huddersfield at home, Newcastle away and Southampton away in the next three. I think their fixtures get a bit more sort of up and down after that. Liverpool, Leicester, Man City, Everton, Cardiff. So you've got kind of a mix of like decent fixtures and then tricky ones there. But they played really well in this game. Obviously, Wolves have been kind of flavour of the month with their great performances, particularly in defence, with Doherty getting back-to-back double-figure returns. So I guess he's the natural starting point, right? There's no... This isn't the time to be alarmed, is it? What, about Doherty? Yeah. Uh, no, he was most transferred in, and thus, obviously, scored no points. The laws of the game state that if you are the most transferred in, you must not score points the next week. Exactly. Mm. It's a fact. It's factual. So no, I would not be alarmed if I had him. So what I would say is Watford looked very good. Uh, Decore with two assists. What a great I guy. Oh my man. Back on the radar. A few players missed out because I was trying to work out before the podcast why were Watford so good all of a sudden? Especially because against... they were missing all of those players who usually just stand around getting yellow cards. Well, quite. <laughs> so Cabaselli missed out, banned, of course. Holobas also banned. Uh, Dini missed out because he had a, I think it was a minor hamstring injury or something. And there was someone else. Oh, it was uh, Yanmat. But what I kind of noticed about this game was, uh, I think the manager for Wolves kind of picked up on this in the uh, post-match, where he was just saying, they didn't really do their job in the first half, they they didn't do what they're supposed to do. 
And Watford just preyed on their weakness, really. Like, they made some really good interceptions in midfield. And Decore and Capu are always so important for them in the games they play well. And that's kind of what happened. Like, they won the ball in midfield and they just counted them. And they counted them so clinically. Uh, the first goal, who was it? It was um, Capu. Capu. That was a mental one. Like, I don't think any goalkeeper in the world would have saved that because it, like, he couldn't see the ball. And when you watch it in real time, it goes so quick that there's no way you'd be able to react to that. You know, that's a, a goal you're not going to see quite regularly. But the second one from Pereira, not even a minute later, uh, was, I think, Wolves being dispossessed in midfield. And uh, Decore put him through. He took an excellent touch and did this, like, really casual outside of outside of the foot finish. It was so freaking good. And I was like, damn it, boy. Why do you have to do this when you're on my bench? Is Watford's um, resurgence due to De La Feo's impact? Very well said and well Thank read. You. Uh, so he did play really well. It was his first game this season for them. I just saw him do some running. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of think it was. Like, he... He was key in the second goal, the Pereira goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually the one who laid it off to Decore, who then yeah. put Pereira through. And it was him, I think it might have even been him that won the tackle in midfield. And he was just running with it, dribbling with the ball. He did seem to liven them up a lot. And uh, the other thing to note is that Watford had been playing two up front with Gray and Dini together. This yeah. week they just played success on his own and Gray on the bench. Had a really good game, I thought. He, uh, there was a late chance for Ducore where he put him through on oh. goal and Ducore mm. really should have scored. Imagine if he had. People would have been so hype on Ducore. It would have been the brilliant. The scout would have been losing his absolute mind for Ducore <laughs> for the next month. Defence is not the place to go for Watford because although they defended quite well in this game, Wolves didn't really create any particularly good chances. So I'd like to throw Pereira back in the ring. Obviously mm-hmm. scored in this game. I think he's their most talented player, like in terms of his technique. Uh, when he gets a chance, I think most times he's going to score. Elsewhere, yeah, you have Dini. I don't know what his situation is with injury. Um, but De La Faye could be a shout. The question with him is, is he going to keep his place? He probably should uh, because he played quite well in this. But I do actually kind of like Decore as a nice, like you say, like a bench um Someone who's quite strong on your bench. He's 5.9, Takure. Right. That's maybe a little bit out of the range you want. Maybe, but also, like, maybe he's, like, a Fraser alternative. Hmm. If you haven't got Fraser and you're thinking about getting someone else in. I mean, with the good fixtures, you'd Hmm. probably look to start Takure. Yeah. For that price. This is the thing. It's these next three fixtures in particular. This is the time that, against Huddersfield, who are really struggling... It seems like a good time to get them. The only problem is I think Pereira and those midfield two of Decore and Capu, they're kind of the only players you can predict are definitely going to play. And probably mm. probably Dini when he's fit as well because he is their captain after all. Elsewhere we have Spurs who managed a 1-0 victory against West Ham. I think managed is a good word. Yeah. Like they managed it. They didn't yeah. do it. They managed it. So my, my take on this game... Obviously, Harry is it Kane. A hot take. How hot is your take? It's it's not really hot. I'd say it's, like a tepid take. It's yeah. It's good analysis. That's what it is. My my general feels on on the match was that Spurs had one moment of quality. Uh, Felipe Anderson perhaps didn't do his best defending the the cross from Sissoko, and Lamella headed it in, and that was that. And the rest of the game was basically. Loris making saves from Arnautovic chances and nothing really from Spurs. I had no idea Loris could actually do goalkeeping. Well, yeah, he had one of his really good games and that's when you remember what a good goalkeeper Loris can be. Because he was actually, although it was Lamella that scored the goal, I don't think there's any doubt that it was Loris who won them the match because mm. if he doesn't make any one of those saves, and they were good chances for Arnautovic as well, the one that stands out particularly is the the header that was going right in the top corner and he just gets there on time. Um, there was another one late on as well where Arnautovic was clean through on goal and he just comes out really quickly and blocks it. On another day, that could have been 1-1 or it could have been 2-1 or, or 3-1 to West Ham. So 
I think they can count themselves a little bit unlucky. But yeah, it was a it was a good performance from Loris, and that perhaps that perhaps suggests that their defense isn't completely shattered now. They've got their their main man in goal back, but they do play Man City next. So if you have Trippier, for example, would you hold him here? Would you look to get like maybe a, a Liverpool defender in or a or move elsewhere or just bench him? No, I'd definitely just bench him. Yeah. Uh, I d- you know what? I don't even know if I would bench him. It's quite a lot of money to have on the bench, isn't it? That's my only... Yeah, it is. ...reservation. But no, I wouldn't get rid. The re- yeah, that, the reason I ask is because they face Wolves and Crystal Palace after that. And mm. they're not amazing fixtures. And, you know, this is kind of why I'm saying the best option, to my mind, is having the Liverpool and City defenders. I just think they have the best chance out of anyone in the league, of, of regular clean sheets. Spurs, I think, could keep a clean sheet against City. I think they could keep a clean sheet against Wolves. But I don't think they will. Whereas when I have Man City and Liverpool defenders, I go into every game thinking they they will keep a clean sheet or they, even the games against the top teams, they have a good chance of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it's more of a feeling thing for me. With Spurs, I feel like they've got to give up chances and you've got to be relying on someone like Loris. But Trippier, of course, is a good assist, uh, good assister and good chance creator. So he always offers that as well to, to maybe offset what he might lose in defence. Um, your feeling about Spurs in general? Not interested. I don't really understand what's going on. Uh, Kane is probably the hottest talking, uh, talking point. I can't see any justification for keeping him now. I guess if you have him already, you might as well wait out the City game to have him against Wolves and Palace. Yeah, it depends what you want to do with the money. If you've gotten rid of Salah to get Kane in, I think now's the time to admit defeat because Salah plays Cardiff next. I think for the first time in this match, I saw the worst of Kane in terms of the role that he's playing for Spurs. He is not their striker at the moment. He is sort of playing to facilitate those wide men. And I don't think he had a shot in the entire game. If he did, it wasn't a good one or it was a long shot. And I don't think that's offering good value, especially in a Spurs team who are struggling to win games by more than one goal. I think it's a very bad time to own Kane. And playing against City next, a team who are quite good at restricting shots on their goal... It's not a good time to have him. I know last week we spoke about Kane and we were like, if you brought him in and he he blanked and he got this one point, hold on to him. It made sense, but I've kind of seen enough where as much as I'm an advocate for patience, I don't think Kane is worth the patience at the moment because I don't think his role is is right. Uh, So West Ham, yeah, they have Leicester, Burnley and Huddersfield next. Uh, Two of those away from home, the Leicester and Huddersfield games and Burnley is at home. They, I, I think they can count themselves a little bit unlucky in general this season because they've had some tough games to start with. They're unlucky not to, to come out with maybe a draw in this game. And Leicester, I mean, we don't know what to make of them yet because they haven't played this week. They might get hammered by Arsenal or they might put in a masterful performance. I'd be happy to get Arnautovic in for this run if you don't have him. Um, I obviously... Went for that a little bit earlier. I got him for the Brighton game and it hasn't paid off. But I do fancy them to come into form now because they've got a much more palatable run and they are creating chances. And at the end of the day, if you're not facing someone like Loris playing his best game of the season, then you're probably going to have, have a couple of goals to your name by the end of it. What do you think? On out of it, um Seems like the one to go for here. I'm not happy about your Diop and your Fabianski. I think that's crazy. Well, interesting fact about Diop. He was only two points out of the bonus points, despite losing 1-0. Um, was he the highest West Ham person? Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, good for him. There we go, then. I guess everyone get Diop in. The thing is, like... <laughs> They can quite feasibly keep clean sheets against Leicester, Burnley and Huddersfield. I don't think that's a controversial opinion. No, your take is not hot. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't understand why Diop and Fabianski are a bad shout. 
I wouldn't have both of them. But I'm I've only got Diop in my starting lineup. I've got Matt Bryan in now. Because you've seen the light, finally. Uh but yeah, I, I think that West Ham I wouldn't write them off defensively just yet. I think they played a really good game defensively against Spurs. And if they do that against the likes of Leicester, then they could definitely be on for a clean sheet. It's just, it's very hard to predict with a team like that. Um, Fulham are looking in trouble. Yes, yes. Um, so obviously Fulham are terrible. Um, so whilst you're piling up on attackers from teams that they face... Hmm. Just don't go overboard with defenders from teams that they face because I think they still do seem to be into the whole scoring thing. Hmm. Uh, so just be wary. So they play Bournemouth next, so get in your Frasers and your Brookses and your Wilsons and your Kings. Yeah. But maybe don't go overboard with Steve Cook and Begovic and Ake because it could end <laughs> in tears. I really liked Mitrovic's assist in this game. I yeah, it was, really it was good. lovely, wasn't it? Also, Vieto wasn't on. Oh, did he not play? I didn't know. Uh, I don't know if he came on, but he didn't start for certain. Hmm. And I feel like that was a mistake on everybody's side because we all know Vieto is in the top, like, what, 15 players who have created the most chances yeah, or whatever. Yeah, he's really high, yeah. What I would say is Mitrovic is still the only viable option. Oh, for certain. I know that Scherler scored, but it was a ridiculous goal. It was a long shot. The only thing he knows how to do. And it <laughs> yeah. was very good, but you're not going to score many of those. The thing with Scherler, I think, is that there are lots of other midfielders who you could have instead. Yeah. Whereas with Mitrovic, whilst there are a number of other strikers you could have instead of him, there aren't as many to choose from at that price. Yeah, I actually think the the striker situation is quite interesting because there are a lot of options, but I think depending on your, like the way you read the stats or the way you read the performances, you could come to very different conclusions. Um, But Mitrovic is definitely up there as one of the the best value. He's still good and Bournemouth-Huddersfield in the next two, those are two games he could definitely score in. Um, Like I said, Sherlock, I think I actually cut this out of the podcast last week, which I'm kind of glad about. But I was kind of suggesting that you should take him out if you have him or that he's not a very good option. And I I stand by that belief purely because all of his goals just come from ridiculous long shots, uh, with the exception of the one against Arsenal. I guess good news for Fulham is that Callum Chambers is off injured again, right? Well, I think that's a bonus. <laughs> I think they'd rather Tim Ream was off injured because he was the one who basically gave every single goal to Cardiff. <laughs> oh right, I see. Uh, Tim well... Ream, their American centre back. So Chambers was playing at right back, which is not a good place for Chambers to play. Like, oh my what God! <sighs> if you just look at the points that. Fulham defenders have got all season. Is it single figures? No one has got more than five points. Are you kidding? No. Oh, wow. I just had to check that I'd like... I guess they've had injuries, right? So no one has played no all one's of play- the games? Yeah, because even if you're conceding loads of goals, there have been nine games. You should be able to get at least ten points. Yeah, so... Callum Chambers has played in six of the nine games. Yeah. And has mustered five points. Damn. Is he their top scorer? Him, uh, Brian and Fossey Mensah. Wow. With five. That's so wild. And Fossey Mensah, bless him, has only played five games. Just one point in each. Uh, Any other business? So we've got a few things to talk about. Uh, Brighton midfield. Knockout didn't play. That's... Kind of fucked quite a few people up. Definitely in the Denalysis League. Mm. Um, yeah, don't really know what's going on. It's annoying now that Brighton have options in midfield, isn't it? Yeah. So who who started this week for them? Ithierdo. Um, Johan Baksh started. Uh, Solly March. Solly March and Dale Stevens. Okay, so I wouldn't worry too much if, if you have Knockart. Uh, I'm sure he'll start next week or... If he doesn't... But why was he benched, though? It seems a bit weird, doesn't it? Yeah, did you 
Do you do any research on this? No, I meant to and I forgot. You know, this happens, doesn't it? They won the game. Uh, maybe it being away from home had something to do with it. Like, it's it's hard when you're away from home. Uh, Basima had a good chance at the end of the game, actually, didn't he? I, I yeah. thought he was a little bit unlucky there. But, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much. I guess, follow the news. Um, he did make it to the bench. He didn't come on. Maybe he just rested him for a game. It could yeah, be that. Yeah, I feel like it might be just a rest thing. He's played every game this yeah. season, hasn't he? Yeah. And, again, if you if you follow our advice and have a strong bench, it shouldn't really matter. You should be fine. Uh, Southampton, they were probably the worst team ever in the history of time. I still hate them. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm really not a fan of Southampton at the moment. They highlighted on Match of the Day, and I think this was true of last week as well, they've had the most shots of anyone out of the top six, but they just don't score goals. Yeah, mad, isn't it? And if you wanted another string to add to the I hate Danny Ings bow... Or I hate Danny Ings as a fancy option, Bo. Right. Then that's one of them. Because Southampton... I'm still clinging on. They are so annoying. I refuse to bench Danny Ings. Like, I'm not doing it. I won't do it. What if he scores? But but he won't. <laughs> <laughs> what if he does? Well, yeah. No, I'm starting him. Like, I've got another knockout Madison debate <laughs> this week as well. And I'm like, I'm just going to play Danny Ings. Uh, it's so annoying. Like um, They've got Newcastle at home up next. And obviously Newcastle can't do anything. So maybe Southampton can? Yeah, maybe. I'll bench You know what? I'll bench him in the City game. That's good of you. Unless I Thanks. need him to play. <laughs> I'll bench him in that. Uh, Liverpool's performance I thought was uncharacteristically bad I only wanted to touch on it because I think people might get a bit worried Uh, what I would say is Bobby Firmino one of the guys I was thinking about getting in I'm glad I decided to make no transfers because he only came off the bench and he was awful when he came on Uh, but I think that could be said of Liverpool as a whole Uh, Salah got his goal I think he had a really good opportunity quite late on where he could have scored again and it, it went slightly wide. I was quite surprised he played the full 90. I think it was more because they didn't really have a, Anyone's a direct option. Yeah, like it Because Shakiri was already on. Exactly, exactly. And hmm. Cater, okay. I think, missed out because of his little injury. So, yeah, I, I'd say, you know, Firmino came back from Brazil... Uh, I don't know if he played in Brazil, but he was with the Brazil team. And there's always problems after international breaks for Brazilian players. Uh, they they go and travel really far away and they don't get back until like the Thursday or Friday. So they're never properly rested or properly fit for the games. Uh, in general, it was quite a heavily rotated team. I will say about Salah, though, I didn't think about the... F- like. So that was his first goal away from... Away home? from home all season, yeah. This season, um, and I hadn't thought about the fact that the game was away from home. I was just like, huh, it's against Huddersfield, I'll catch yeah. him. Yeah. But then afterwards I was like, wow, that was stupid. Yeah. Um, it paid off so it didn't matter, but... Yeah, I, I still think on paper he was probably a better option than, than Aguero on this particular week, purely because of the opposition, but that is not considering the amount of rotation that Klopp decided to go with. Um, the Mane injury isn't serious, it's just a, a thumb thing, so he, he'll he probably be back for the Cardiff game. Well, you'll know if he's in the squad, I guess, for Champions League Yeah, this exactly. Week. exactly. That's a good... Good barometer. That's the word I wanted. <laughs> uh, Huddersfield have some amazing post-hitting skill. Oh, I felt so bad for them. I thought they should <laughs> probably have equalised multiple times. That was the amazing thing, like... Liverpool or should have carved them open every time they got the ball because Huddersfield was so open on the counter-attack. But every time Liverpool got it, they just gave it right back to them. And Huddersfield came so close on so many occasions. I think it, the one in particular was um, Steve Mounier. He had a moment where it just dropped to him in the box. I think, who was it? It just bounced off like two of the Liverpool defenders. It just dropped for him right in the... Uh, well, about six yards from goal, essentially, and he just completely fluffed it. And I think that's the problem for for Huddersfield at the moment. They're either hitting the post from, like, 30 yards or they're skying it from three yards. So, you know, what can, what can you do? I think they will come good eventually, but 
I don't think they're fantasy options either way. Uh, and a small shout out to the worst Sunday game ever. That was, of course, uh, Crystal Palace away at Everton. I think there have been worse, surely. Yeah, but this is the most recent one and okay. it was pretty poor. Uh, obviously, no no points for Charleston there. Another disappointing blank. Tyson seems good from the bench, doesn't he? He actually he's does. Like, he's like Giroud yeah. from the bench for Arsenal, but for Everton. Yeah, maybe that's the, the ideal role for Tosin. Come on when people are maybe a little bit tired and he can just exploit. Um, and let's not forget that there's also a Monday night game. So I'll be watching it. Obviously, I'm an Arsenal fan. I usually go on for about half an hour about them. Uh, this week, you're not going to get that because because the game is tomorrow. But... The key guys to look out for, I think it's got to be Lacazette. He's the the man in form at the moment, the man in vogue, let's say. I think he could be coming into my team this week. Uh, I'm really interested to see if Awobi starts because I fancy him to be a big breakout in the next few weeks. But that could all look stupid <laughs> when, we, when we get around to it. Uh, okay, should we have a little quick preview and a, a, queen, sh- a queen sheet cup? Please. <laughs> Uh, okay, so game week 10. I'm glad we don't have to wait two weeks for this one. Yeah, but we do have to wait until 3pm. Oh, no way. There's no 12.30 kickoff. There's no 12.30 kickoff. That sucks. Does it? Does it, though? Uh, yeah, I guess it doesn't, actually. I do kind of like... I've got a whole extra three hours to panic about whether I play Knockout or Madison. Yeah. And also, I like... I like the situation of knowing I'm losing all of my clean sheets at the exact same time (laughs) rather than having to wait until Monday to find out that I've lost them. Although I will have to wait until Monday because Man City plays Spurs and I'm probably going to play Laporte. So there we go. Cool. Uh, Okay, so we've got Brighton at home to Wolves. Uh, Fulham at home to Bournemouth. Liverpool play Cardiff. Southampton play Newcastle. And Watford play Huddersfield. Any of these games take your fancy, Natalie? I I want to captain Salah. Yep. I don't like that it's the three o'clock. And it's on a Saturday. Yeah. And there's there's a prophecy for Sunday. So I think I'm probably going to captain Salah. I'm not going to overthink this one. Uh, it worked out well this week. And I think, as we touched on, this was an example of Liverpool playing really, really poorly. And Salah came away with a goal. I think against Cardiff, who... You know, they, they like to concede goals. It's also at Anfield, which is the right place for it to be if you want a, a high-scoring Salah week. It just seems like a no-brainer. It seems like the most obvious thing to do. The only yeah. the only question is, of course, what happens in those midweek fixtures? Um, mm. I can't remember who Liverpool play. I don't pay attention. It's Red Star, Bel- Belgrade. That's it, yeah. That's kind of the obvious standout one, but we don't know what will happen. Uh, Southampton, Newcastle has boring game written all over it. So I quite... Yeah, it does. You're not wrong. I quite like Brighton, Fulham and Watford all at home. Yeah. In the threes. And I think Bournemouth is a fun one to watch because obviously Fulham wrecked in the behind situation. Yeah, I mean, this is a game I'd feel quite confident about my Bournemouth attackers in. I think I'd feel quite confident about general attack. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The 5.30... Is uh, Leicester West Ham? I'm just gonna play Diop and on out of it. And who's that boy? M- Gazal. Gazal, yeah. He might score also. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they'll all score. Maybe it'll be like seven nil, and I'll be like Diop, my boy. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. A sweet like minus three. Yeah. I as I said earlier, we don't really know what to make of Leicester because I think I can't even remember who they played last game week, and I'm not gonna look because it was so they long ago. They didn't win. And Madison didn't do anything. Yeah. And from what I remember, it was kind of one of those performances where just nothing happened other than a few Vardy moments. But yeah, I, I don't know. I fancy West Ham, but I've been saying that for quite a few weeks Two now. Two weeks. Yeah. yeah. But there has to come a time where that actually happens, right? So I'm going to say this is the one, this 5.30. Okay. Uh, then Sunday, we've got what could be known as a true Super Sunday. It is... Three whole matches, but two of them are at the same time at one thirty. So we got Burnley versus Chelsea and Crystal Palace versus Arsenal. Uh, 
Crystal Palace in real trouble at the moment, I think. Yeah, I think if I had an Arsenal player, I'd captain them. Yeah. I mean, obviously see how it goes against Leicester on Monday, but this would be a great time to have Lacazette, I think. I might look at getting Lacazette instead of Aubameyang for this, depending on whether or not he's starting, and then I'd be able to upgrade. Um, well, I could even get Mendy in after that for, for Laporte or something, or I could look to to get a 5.5 for Hudson Odoi. Yeah. Hudson Odoi needs to go. He needs to go. It's, it's a mission now. Yeah, I, I fancy Arsenal to get quite a comfortable win in this one, just purely yeah. because Palace, one, they haven't scored a goal at home all season, and they mm. failed to score away from home today, and they didn't look like scoring. They even had a penalty. They even had a oh. penalty, and Pickford saved it with his feet. Poor Luca. Uh, and Burnley versus Chelsea. Chelsea away from home. I don't like a Chelsea captain for this. Yeah. I, I just think Burnley will be tough hmm. at home as well. And they'll want to win. Like, Burnley needs to start getting good. Yeah, they do. Um, And I I think this will be harder for Chelsea. Yeah. Like, this won't be a hazard going on a mad one. Yeah, so, like, maybe the way we have to look at Chelsea is that they started the season really, really well. Maybe now they're sort of... I mean, they have had some tough fixtures. You have to, like, look at it that way. But maybe they're starting to level out a bit. And maybe they're not quite so electric as they looked in the in the earlier weeks. Maybe. I think you should keep Hazard, though. Oh, totally. I don't think you should start chipping him out. But definitely just be wary about whether you're going to... Whether you have better options in terms of captain choices. Yeah. What I'm saying is not that you should get rid, but... Mm-hmm that maybe maybe it's time to stop thinking Hazard is the absolute best player in the world and he's going to destroy every team he faces. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at because sure. Burnley are going to have a plan for Hazard, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the late kickoff is Man United versus Everton. And for the second time running, the four o'clock kickoff is a game that I'm, I have absolutely no stake in whatsoever. Uh, yeah, this game is one of those that's, hell to predict because it's like how do you determine who is who is worse out of these two teams it's, it's very hard but I, I don't know if you had let's say in an alternate universe if you had Richarlison for example would you be playing him in this match over someone like yeah like if I didn't if I had like a trash bench or something yeah maybe it's like yeah I'd play I'd play my attacking players I wouldn't play any defenders yeah but, yeah, I'd play my attacking players for sure. Yeah, it's it's more if your bench is, like, one Bissaka and... Uh, sorry, if your options for defence for your fourth defender is, like, one Bissaka and, I don't know, a Southampton player or something, that's the instance where you definitely put Richarlison in over those. You say a Southampton player, but Newcastle haven't been very good with the whole goal thing, have they? Yeah, they need to. They really need to because they need to get some points on the board. They're only... And you've got two points. They've lost all of their home games this season. And this is the period in which their fixtures are good. So they need to sort it out for sure. I mean, one of the transfers I was going to make last week was Yedlin for Laporte. Hella glad I didn't do that, eh? (laughs) (laughs) But that would have been crazy anyway. That would have been just for the sake of it. Uh, Okay, and on Monday we have Spurs versus Man City. I don't know. I, I fancy Man City to do well, but these games are always hard to predict because... They can go either way, and it just depends which team turns up on the day. Yeah, I'd like to see Man City like tear Spurs apart. Yeah. I think it'd be quite fun. Yeah, I think what Spurs need is Loris to have another one of those games like he did against West Ham today, but on a an even higher level, because yeah. I'm sure Man City will get a lot more chances, and mm. Spurs just don't look organised enough at the back to be able to survive an onslaught from City, so you'd be kind of relying on City just not showing up with the right mentality and yeah I don't really think that's something that's going to happen probably not a good time to pick your Man City captains though right no definitely not no too late in the week and too much too much room for error and rotation yeah all right so let's move us on to the old clean sheet cup shall we yes and it's did you get a point this week I know I didn't yeah I did I said Liverpool against Huddersfield so I got a nice little point 
and you said a Cardiff Fulham nil nil. Got that one slightly wrong. It's a fair little bit. To say, the highest scoring game of the week. This week, I am going to say a Brighton Wolves nil nil. Oh, that was what I was going to say as well. <laughs> well, I'm here first because oh, I'm losing, so I get to choose. I think you saved me from myself there, to be honest. Um, but because Brighton are good defensively, obviously, and even more so at home, and Glenn Murray, I assume, will be out for the game because isn't it recommended that you have a week out after a head injury? Yeah. And we all know Lucardia can't score. Well, that's so... for sure. <laughs> yeah. There we are. Yeah, so I'm going to say a nil-nil for this. Yeah. Thanks. And Wolves, Wolves are one of those teams that aren't, you know, a lot of their goals come from weird places, not really from strikers. Uh, Diego Jota, he hasn't scored this season yet, I don't think, has he? No, not yet. Uh, okay, so my clean sheet pick is going to be, I'm actually very glad you went for that nil-nil because I cannot see anything else I fancy to be nil-nil. Um, I'm going to go for... I'm going to keep the away from home thing going. Oh, wait, no, I'm not. I'm going to say Liverpool at home. <laughs> I was like, surely you just say Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool at home to Cardiff. Uh, I was going to say... I think Josh Murphy on his hype, though. I mean, yeah, who can deny? The scout finally got something right with, with I mean, Josh. It's because I mean, it's because I said so. Yeah. It's because I said Josh Murphy is good. Exactly. Oh, my God. But did you see they did the same thing twice? I've closed my tweet deck because um, bandwidth. But, like... You know, you know when I retweeted it and was like, stop, this was mine. Hmm. And then literally at exactly the same time, the next day, they posted another thing about Josh Murphy. Yeah. And I was like, who is doing your social media and why is it so trash? Like, literally give me this job and I'll do it. <laughs> it's so cheap on the side of my actual job. Yeah. they do. It's mad. They do seem to be doing, like, insane amounts of content this year. Like, like no one's looking at yeah. it. Yeah. It seems like it's a, a strategy, though. Uh, get the real obsessives on board, I guess. Which could kind of be us to some degree, I guess. We do do no, a podcast No, the obsessives on are on Reddit, yeah. moaning about Lewis Dunk. Well, yeah, the obsessives are on Reddit just complaining about every little thing. Which, um, I guess, is how Reddit works, so it's fine. Yeah, I saw another thing on Reddit this week. Um, oh, it was like a replacement thread or something like that. Mm. And someone was like, oh, just wait a few days and there'll be everyone posting their blogs and podcasts here about who you should get to replace so-and-so. And I was like, why don't you just take a day off, mate? Yeah, why, why, do, you, <laughs> why do you have to be so relentlessly negative about absolutely everything? Like, that's literally, yeah, that's literally how people are going to hey, see it. Hey, here I am, going to a subreddit based on fantasy football and complaining that people are posting fantasy football content. <laughs> yeah, it's literally that. It's, that was actually what happened. It's not like it used to be back in my day. Like, come on, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I, I that's why I don't like to... I mean, we've never posted our podcast on Reddit. We could probably no. get more listeners if we did. But I'm just not ready for the onslaught of freaking people complaining. Like, mm. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. All right, so I'm looking forward to next game week anyway. It's going to be good fun. And I hope tomorrow's good and Aubameyang does all the goals. Uh, but I think that pretty much wraps up our podcast for this week. And we'll be back, I guess, probably Monday next week or Tuesday when you want to record. I need to do Sunday. Okay. So we'll be back on, like, Monday night then? Yeah. All right. All right. So if you want to get in touch, of course, follow us on Twitter, at The Denalysis. Uh, if you have gotten this far and you've enjoyed the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and rate us five stars. Uh, as mentioned, we don't post our stuff on Reddit and annoy people on there, so... Probably the best way you can get us out to more listeners is to rate us and uh, write a review if you're so inclined. And you can also email us, email us at the denalysis. Uh. <laughs> On hello at the denalysis.com. My brain just completely notes Stopped. out then. <laughs> Good. That was weird. Good. Congratulations. <laughs> but yeah, game week 10. It's, when we get to game week 10, that'll mean officially a quarter of the season has passed and cool. and yeah it's gonna gonna start livening up i guess because we're coming into that notorious christmas period where Woo. 
Everyone goes crazy and there's mad rotations and there's Wednesday night games and there's bank holidays and all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm looking forward to it for sure. But until then, until we return, may the responsible fantasying be with you, ladies and gentlemen. Oh okay. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye.